Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. This is 790 Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company. Astroline. Your official preseason show of the Houston Astros. Let's talk Astros baseball. Call 713-212-5790. That's 713-212-5790. Goals to win championships. It's a lot of work, a lot of commitment. Live from Duffy's Sports Grill in West Palm Beach, Florida, this is 790 Astroline. And greetings from Duffy's Sports Grill up from Addis, downtown West Palm Beach. The final Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company of the 16-17 offseason. So that means regular season's right around the corner. Astros open up April 3rd at home against the Seattle Mariners. And it will be here before you know it. I'm Robert Ford, radio broadcaster for the Astros. And pleased to be joined by a key member of the Houston Astros. An all-star last year has been one of the best relievers in baseball the last two seasons. Astros reliever Will Harris joining us tonight. Good to see you, Will. Thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. No problem. So this is your third spring training with the Astros. Your first one, I mean, you almost didn't make the team coming out of camp. Josh Fields got hurt. That helped open up a spot for you, and then you wound up being up the entire year. Last year, you know, it was, I'd imagine it was kind of the, okay, are we going to see the same thing that we saw in 2015 and 2016? We did. And then this year, have to feel a, a little bit more comfort or at least as much as comfortable as you can be when it comes to, to fighting for a job and, and pitching for a team that has playoff aspirations. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely a different feeling when you come come to spring training, you're preparing in the winter and you kinda know you have a you have a spot, you know, penciled in. Uh, it was a little bit of adjustment coming from the National League where I spent most of my career, all of my career until I came over in uh, two thousand fifteen, but you know, kinda was able to set down some roots in Houston. And it's been great. Got to pitch for my first playoff team that year. Uh, we had a great group of guys. Obviously, the core group of this team is as talented as any, anywhere in baseball. And uh, I'm excited about kind of the direction that we're going. And uh, I'm excited to see how th- this year uh, ends up for us. It should be something special, hopefully. It certainly should be. So, all right, first spring training at the Astros. Let's go back to 2015. Now, the Astros had claimed you off of waivers. And from, from Arizona, you had 
finished off the year pretty strong with, with the Diamondbacks, and he had a great finish of the year at AAA, got some time in the big leagues as well. Uh, what what was kind of your feeling? What were you thinking as you went into that first spring training with the Astros? You know, uh, I got got a phone call when I, when I got claimed from the Astros in the uh, the winter of uh, 2014. Right. I uh, I got a phone call from uh, a buddy of mine. Told me I was on waivers and you know said, hey, you're going to come off tomorrow at one o'clock, and so kind of don't know where you're going to be and. So it went and worked out the next day, and it was 1 o'clock on the East Coast, 12 o'clock my time, and uh -huh. got a phone call from uh, front office of Houston, said I was claimed by the Houston Astros, and I was pumped. You know, I live four hours away from, from Houston, so called my wife and was like, hey, uh, I got claimed. If you could pick a team for me to play for, who would it be? And her first thing she said was Houston Astros. And so it's kind of like a blessing in disguise for us. And That's really neat. You know, got a phone call from AJ and was going into camp just, just trying to win a job, just trying to prove that, you know, that I belonged in the, in the big leagues. And I, I'd had good seasons before that, but hadn't quite, you know, planted some roots yet in the league. So 15 gave me an opportunity. Josh Fields is hamstring. I have to thank for that. And so, uh, <laughs> and you made the most of it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's. I tell everybody all the time, man. When it comes to pitching in the big leagues, it's all about health and timing. And yeah. if you're healthy at the right time, anything can happen. And that happened for me in 2015. So, if I remember correctly, was that your second? Uh, opening day roster, 15. That was, yeah, it yeah. was, yeah. 2014, I opened. I was an opening day roster with Arizona. We actually opened up in Australia against the Dodgers. That's right. That's which right. Was a, a neat experience, but uh, but yeah, it was my second opening day. So, how did AJ Hinch inform you that you had made the club in 2015? Well, you know, when you, when you get that deep into spring training, you kind of look around the clubhouse, and you know, the roster is 25 guys. Right. There's 30 in the room. They're not going to carry more than eight relievers, right, and right. so you kind of start to play the math in your head of, of, of where you sit and where you stand. And and when it kind of came down those at last week when Josh had hurt his hamstring, I was like, hey, I thought I had a chance, but now I think I got a really good chance. Right. And uh, there's one thing I've learned about the big leagues is uh, if they can delay making roster decisions on guys, they're going to do it. You're right about that. And so. It gave them an opportunity to, to push back, you know, using up an option on somebody, you know, me in that case. And so uh, it gave me an opportunity to uh, go out and prove myself. And, and I was actually on a, on a scoreless streak at the time that I'd carried over from the year before. And, then I, you know, I, I don't know the numbers, but I think I went a while without giving up a run to start the year. And so it kind of was able, you know, kind of earned my spot. We're talking with Astros reliever Will Harris. Don't forget opening day, April 3rd, as the Astros take on the Seattle Mariners at opening series April 3rd through the 6th at Minute Maid Park. Tickets are on sale now. Don't miss your chance to see the Astros kick off the season. For more information, you can visit Astros.com or call 1-877-9-ASTROS. By the way, if you have any questions for Astros reliever Will Harris, you can tweet us at Astros. Use the hashtag AstroLine uh, if you have any questions for Will Harris, our guest this evening on AstroLine, presented by Carbach Brewing Company. So, you know, 2015, you make the club. Uh, you get off to a great start. As you mentioned, you had carried over a scoreless streak from 14 with, with Arizona. Uh, was it, did you feel like going into that year that maybe you had figured some stuff out that would allow you to, to have more success than, than you had previously had in the big leagues? You know, I, I, I was hurt a lot early on in my career. Yeah. Um, and 
after the 2012 season, I, I thought I'd kind of found some things and started to kind of realize who I was as a pitcher and, and what was working for me on the big league level. And uh, in 2014, I... I got off to a really bad start. Started out with the with Arizona as as the eighth inning setup guy. Uh -huh. I'd earned the job, and had the worst possible three weeks I've ever had in my career. And I got sent down, and I didn't think I needed to be sent down, but there's no time to figure things out in right. the big leagues, right? Especially for a team trying to make the playoffs. And so I went to. Triple A Reno, which is the biggest hitters park maybe in all of baseball, playing in the PCL, and and I still tell people all the time one of the best accomplishments I've ever had in my career was my time in Reno, the way that I pitched there. Hey, you had like a point nine nine ERA, right? You know, it, it was more than yeah. I just, I just I felt like I was ready, you know, but I, but I had blown my opportunity, so I wasn't mad and I wasn't bitter or anything like that. Right. But, but I felt like I kind of figured out who I wanted to be and and. and and the way I wanted to pitch from then on. And uh, so once I got back up to the big leagues in 2014, I got my opportunity and finished really strong and carried that into 15 and carried into 16 and hopefully can keep the wave going here in 2017. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe I read this. 2015, you and your wife Caroline, you did not have a place in Houston for like the first few months or something, was it? Because you weren't sure right. if you were going to still be on the team right. and whether it was worth signing a lease for, right. you know, through October. So, so I knew exactly. I mean, Josh Fields is a friend of mine, so I knew how long his rehab was going to last. Right. So I knew, okay, he's coming off the DL on, you know, at least 15 days, probably 20 days. So I got April 20th, and then he's got to make a rehab assignment. So, you know. You're, you're doing all the math. Doing all the math, yeah. you know. And so I had a buddy who had a place up in the woodlands, and so I was making that commute every day. and. Uh, it wasn't fun, you know, driving that far every yeah, day. Yeah, there, there are a lot of people in this bar yeah. right now from Houston who are like, yeah, I-45 traffic. Right. Yeah. You get a Wednesday day game and you try to be at, <laughs> oh, be at the park for 9 o'clock. Yeah. It can get kind of hairy. But, uh, but yeah, I just kind of just played it played it by ear, you know, and played it day to day and uh, was able to, like I said, earn it, you know, pitch well enough to earn my spot on the team, which is, which is in my mind, the best way. So you come into the spring training this year, obviously much different situation than you were when you came into spring training in 2015. Do you feel like maybe relaxed is the wrong word, but, I mean, when you're trying to win a spot, I mean, you can work on stuff, but only so much because you, you need to show, show well every time you go out there. But do you feel like now it's a lot easier for you to, to fine-tune things and to tweak things and to work on things than it may have been the last couple of spring trainings for you? Yeah, you know, I, I think when when you when you have an opportunity like this, you're you're trying to grow as a pitcher as opposed to just show what you've already shown in the past. You know, if you're right. trying to make a team, you're trying to show your best self up to that point in your career. Right. right. But if you kind of have your already kinda maybe have your spot on the team, you're you're trying to expand on what you've done in the past and and try and get a little bit better than what you were the year before. So, at least in my mind, you know, I know like in 2015 when I was in camp. I mean, I wasn't working on a new pitch. I wasn't working on anything new. I was just treating it like it was seventh game of the World Series every time that I pitched out there trying to earn a spot. And so, um, but, uh, but yeah, so this year I've been able to, you know, kind of come in with a game plan of, of things that certain hitters in our division that have a leg up on me as far as matchup and, and, and how I can change my repertoire a little bit to, to help, to, you know, help me be more successful against those guys. And a lot of times... Because, I mean, you, you know, you got the cut fastball, you have the curveball. Everybody knows this. Everybody knows those are your two pitches. They're very, two very good pitches, which is why you've still been able to successful, even though guys know 
that that's what you throw. But is sometimes it's not so much about the specific pitch. Is it sometimes about the sequence in which you throw them and throwing pitches and different counts and changing things up? Is that a lot of it, especially within the division, guys, you're going to face a bunch of times? Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. You know, you, 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 you try and you go back and look at guys and see, you know, are they, are they swinging first pitch? Or, you know, are they taking a strike? Are they, you know, are they ambushing first pitch? Are they not swinging any, at any breaking balls right now? You know, just little things because hitters change throughout the year too. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, hitters, it, it's a way. You know, it's it's ups and downs for them as obviously Houston fans know with watching our hitters. You know, they're not hot all the time. Sometimes they're cold. Sometimes they're hot. And so you can go back and watch and kind of see. Okay, what's he struggling with right now? Is has he played 25 games in a row or his hands a little slow? Maybe I can get in on him. That sort of thing. So mm-hmm. um, you do your homework on him. You know, and uh, and you just kind of go from there. You try and pitch to your strengths, but at the same time, we, we play in a very talented division when it comes to lineups. I mean, you know, when you look up and down Seattle and Texas, and you know, in LA and these lineups, when 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 they when they stack them up, it can be very formidable. You know, opponents. You right. Know, for especially when you're looking at it, maybe a four game series, and you have to go out there and face them three out of four days. So uh, just kind of do your homework and. You don't want to get lost in that kind of stuff, but uh, it definitely helps to have a slight advantage here and there. How did you learn how to prepare in situations like that and prepare out of the bullpen and understand matchups and all the things you just talked about? Is, were there any guys who helped show you the way when you were here with Arizona or Colorado? How did you learn how to prepare? Um, when I was in Colorado, we had a, we had a couple of older veterans. You know, we had Rafael Betancourt, and Matt Belisle, uh-huh. um, who uh, I think maybe both. I know Mano Belisle still pitching this year. He is. I don't. I don't. Rafi pitched is. late into his thirties. You know, yeah. and uh, and uh, Rafi was a great guy. You know, I, he was a rookie at, at twenty seven, and I was the same way as me. You know, I was. I didn't. I didn't make the big leagues until I was twenty seven, which is nowadays is ancient. You right. Know? And so uh, was a late bloomer, and so. I really respected the stuff he would tell me in the clubhouse and things like that, and, and they really prepared. They were just really, really professional, you know. And then, and then you change teams and you go to Arizona. And in Arizona, we had a lot of a lot of veteran uh, relievers. You know, we had JJ Putz and Brad Ziegler and Heath Bell. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of those kind of guys. So you, you know, you can bounce stuff off of them, talk to them about you know how they set up pitchers, how they prepare, and things like that. So everybody does it different, you know, and you can kind of pick and choose what you want to what you want to take from it but uh you know coming over to houston before i got here was a very young team and it got a lot older the year i came over when right we, when we added you know luke gregerson and obviously Nishak and scott feldman was already here but we you know we tony sip had right. come over in 2014 so the team had started to get a lot older and then you fast forward to this year it's, you know we had beltran and mccann and reddick and you know so it's it's, it's been a slow slow process but but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been great, and I've learned a lot from these guys. We're going to have more with Astros reliever Will Harris, but we'd like to remind you that 2017 Coca-Cola Astros Buddies memberships are on sale now for only 25 bucks. Buddies members receive a voucher for four tickets to a select Astros game. Front of the line access to kids run the bases, exclusive player autograph sessions, and more. Visit Astros.com slash Buddies for all the details and a purchase membership for kids up to 12 years old. Will Harris will join us for more of Astroline presented by Carbach Brewing Company as we continue live from Duffy's Sports Grill of Clematis in downtown West Palm and on the Houston Astros radio network. San Diego, so this is a National League crowd. Harris, meanwhile, a 162 ERA. They're all loaded up right here. Diaz 
trying to do some damage with two outs. Harris sets fires. Outside corner got him looking. Diaz throws it, and Harris gets the strikeout. And the National League leaves him loaded. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach. Hey, don't forget, Astros' many plans are on sale now. Pick the games at seat locations that work best for you with the 15-game flex plan or 10 games with the best giveaways with the 10-game award series package. Visit astros.com slash many plans or call 1-877-9ASTROS to get yours today. Robert Ford joined by Astros reliever Will Harris, and we just heard the call. It was on ESPN Radio, John Chiambi on the call of the All-Star game that you pitched in last year in San Diego, came in, two outs, bases loaded, faced Ledmiz Diaz of the Cardinals and struck him out looking uh, to keep the bases loaded, preserve the lead. American League wound up winning 4-2, to two, leading to home field advantage in the World Series for the AL. And uh, I mean, hey, if you're only going to face one batter in an All-Star game in a big spot, I mean, that, it, it was just set up perfectly for you, I felt like. Yeah, it was reminiscent of 2015. AJ made a joke with me. I think in 2015, I think he brought me in with the bases loaded, you know, seven or eight times that year in relief or whatever. So it wasn't something that I wasn't accustomed to. But uh, you know, it was it was a it was it was a cool moment. You know, I uh, I didn't realize the the significance of it. You know, when you're doing it, when you're playing a game, and right. you just, just kind of it's a normal day, and you're you're watching the game, watching the pitch counts, and you just you know doing your normal thing you do every day and. But when the game was over, it was it was pretty neat to to uh, kind of sit back and, and get get the phone calls and you know get the congratulations from people and stuff like that. And uh, I'm sure Luke is getting a lot of that right now with what he's doing in the WBC. You Absolutely. Know? So uh, it's been fun to watch him and and and, uh, and root him on and, and, and wish him luck. And hopefully tonight Team USA can do it. But. Uh, but yeah, it was. A, it Wait, was, so you're rooting against Carlos Beltran and Carlos Correa? I am. I All am. Right. You know, I have I have Alex Bregman and Luke Gregerson. So, fair enough. You know, fair so, enough. Fair uh, enough. But uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, the All Star game was great. It was it was everything you think it would be, and, and, and just to get a chance to pitch in it and, and actually have an impact on the game was something I didn't expect and uh, something that you know you maybe only get to do once. And if, if that's my only chance, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. So tell me about this All Star experience. First of all. You get selected, and in 2015, you were like one of the last guys who didn't make it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and it's always tough for a guy who's a setup guy out of the right. bullpen to, to make an all-star game. Uh, but uh, you, you were one of the last guys. I remember having a conversation with Ned Yost, who was the manager of that team, about that. And, uh, you know, was, you were you were one of the guys certainly up for consideration. But last year, I think it, do you think it helped you that you were the closer at the time? And so you were starting to get some saves, and, okay, it wasn't as many saves as some of the guys who had been closing all year, but do you think that maybe helped as far as the all-star consideration went? When it comes to relievers, there's no doubt. When it comes to the reliever resume building, you know, like it or not, like the system or not, saves carry a certain amount of weight over other numbers. And and so uh, to be able to get, you know, 10 or you know eight whatever saves before the all-star break i think definitely helped my case uh yeah doubt. but uh but i think kind of being in contention the year before and aj having a good relationship with ned and him pushing for me in 2015 and coming up a little bit short uh and then without a doubt i mean wade davis getting hurt right before the all-star sure. break helps because you yeah. know ned's going to bring him along obviously he's you know one of the best relievers in baseball so you know, when you when you start when you start talking about relievers, man, there there's so many good ones on individual teams 
much less you spread that out all, all over the American League. You know, I mean, so right. If you, I mean, if, if you look at the WBC uh, right now, we got two guys from our you know bullpen last year that are pitching for Team USA right now. So uh, it's the margins between guys when it comes to relievers is pretty pretty small. Talking with Astros reliever Will Harris. All right, so AJ was the one. AJ Hinch was the one who told you that. Uh, you had made the All-Star team in 2016? He did. He did. He did he do it in front of the team? He did. He did. It was pretty neat. I had. A, I kind of maybe had a little bit of a, you know, a uh, maybe it might happen kind of yeah. thing. I don't remember how I got got a whiff of it, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it, w- it was AJ in front of the team, and obviously the obvious other one was Altuve in the room. So, right. Uh, I got a lot of the congratulations. You know, Altuve was just like, you know, everybody was like, yeah, <laughs> It's whatever. like a big, they expect from right, Altuve. Right, right, it's, right, it's a yearly right. thing for him. It yeah. certainly has been. The, the last few years. So you get to San Diego, and you got there. Would you get there Sunday night? Yeah, we got there late Sunday night, flew out of Houston, uh, you know, me and my family. And uh, we got there, you know, gained a couple hours. But you get in, you get, it's a, man, the schedule, it's it's a great experience. And that's what a lot of people don't realize is what a whirlwind it is for the guys. Right. Around. It really is. It really is. It's, uh, you get there late Sunday night, you know, they've, they've, they've got a few rooms reserved for the American League, a few rooms reserved the National League, and you get there and you check in, you get your tickets for the home run derby and for the game, and you obviously have a bunch because you got family and you, right. you know, you, you got gift packages and they give you your itinerary and you got to be here, you got to be there. So, uh, so yeah, we didn't get a lot of sleep, but it was obviously a great, great experience. So, who did you was there anybody who was on the AL or NL All Star squads that? You were really looking forward to meet or at least get to know better than you would get to know them just playing against them? You know, yeah, it was it was actually really neat to to be so my locker was next to Tuvi's locker. Okay. In the in the locker room. We were in the home side and him and Miggy obviously are very good friends being Venezuelan and going back and right. so so it was it was cool to be able to talk to Miggy and yeah. you know, obviously he you know, he had 11, 11 all star games that year. So that was really neat. And then also it being the last to David Ortiz retired. So Big right. Poppy gave a little speech before the game, being his last year, being his last All-Star game. I'm sure so, it was filled with profanity. Yeah, you know, I don't remember <laughs> quite exactly word for word, but uh, but it was really great. It was, yeah. it was really neat yeah. to to be in that room uh, with those guys and look around the room when everybody's chairs were pulled around whenever David was giving his speech. And, uh, and it was it was something that... You know, they actually filmed and put it on the internet or ESPN, ESPN and MLB, and I was actually kind of mad when I saw that because I was yeah. like, I thought it was something maybe that I was only going to have like a special to. locker room moment, right? You know, you had and, to be there, right? Yeah, you know, but but I was still glad that I got to see it in person. So, was there? Uh, so I know with the All Star Game and before the game, you know, you have there's a bunch of stuff you have to sign. I know a lot of guys get jersey signed and stuff like that did you do any of that did you want to get anything signed or? so i got a bat signed by the whole team um i got uh i got one of my jerseys signed um and then i got a dozen balls signed that i've you know used the balls for charities and things like that and for yeah. auctions to raise money for things that's great and uh and then i uh i got an individual ball signed by big poppy just because it was the last opportunity that i may have ever had i'm sure so. you had to stand in line for that uh, you know, I, I the way the All Star Game works, man, it's crazy. Like you don't you don't want for anything, you know. Yeah. Like there's somebody there all the time, so you have your individual clubby, 
Oh, there. really? Yeah. So it's, you kind of just say, hey, man, you know, if you wouldn't mind, can you, you know, go get Poppy's autograph? Wow. And he comes back with a ball with Poppy's autograph. So, uh, so that was easy. So did you – okay. Now, pitching in an all-star game obviously is different than pitching in – uh, a regular season game and how you're going to be used is going to be different. Did you have an idea that you might come in when you did? Did you know when the phone rang that it was going to be you? No, I, well, I had an idea. You, you, you do it long enough, you kind of get some intuition. But, yeah. you know, before the game, Ned Yost called, every, called us all in the office and kind of went through uh, the order in which guys were going to throw. You know, hey, listen, we got it mapped out. We got, you know, uh, Sale's going to start, then Hamels, and yada, yada, yada. Right. And we're going to finish with, uh, you know, Batances, Miller, and Britton. Right. And then it was me, Colome from uh, from Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. uh, Stephen Wright, and Brad Brock were the four filler guys. So if we run into trouble. Basically, it was going to be me, Brock, Colome, and then Wright was the extra inning guy because he right. threw knuckleballs. Right. So he could go for a long period of time. And and so early in the game, I forgot who it was. They got in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Hamels had to get. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Brad Brock got up. That's right. Yeah, threw, threw a few pitches, and then and I think he got up maybe again the next inning. And so I knew after that they probably weren't going to get him up a third time. Right. So I figured the next time the phone rang and be me or column A. And so when it did, I was like 50-50 shot here, and I was lucky enough to get the change. Flip the coin. That's it. You know, <laughs> it came up Will Harris, which was great. And I mean, just I mean that a moment. Is it? How does it compare to pitching in a postseason game? Obviously, postseason lots more on the line, but still, I mean. It's similar in that everybody's watching you. It's a big stage. I mean, okay, it's an exhibition game, but, I mean, it's still a pretty big stage. Were the feelings, the emotions similar for you? Yeah. I mean, you know, the preparation is is a little different because it's – it's a lot less, you know, and, and, and maybe in a in a better way. For the you know for the playoffs, you might be over preparing. You might be right. looking at too many scouting reports and too many. Right, because you're going to see this team it several almost, games. Yeah, it yeah. almost might mean too much to you to the fact where you overthink it. As we're an all-star game, it's it's just kind of a happy-go-lucky scenario. And hey, I'm just happy to be here, and I want to go out there and perform well. But if I don't, hey, you know. Yeah, they're not going to leave me out there to get crushed. Somebody else will be coming in right after me. So, right. what's the worst that can happen? And so, in uh, that that freedom, you know, allows you to perform even even better sometimes. And so, but uh, yeah, the postseason was great. I don't I don't know what Nishak was talking about last night at WBC, saying that <laughs> that it's a better atmosphere. There's, listen, there's nothing better than postseason baseball. Yeah. I've only experienced it one time, but I got to experience it in three different cities, and it was by far the best thing I've ever been a part of. All right, we're talking with Astros reliever Will Harris. They don't forget 2017 Astros season tickets. They're on sale now. Enjoy some of the best seats at Minute Maid Park. Save money and receive great benefits throughout the season. Call one 877 astros or visit astros.com slash season tickets to get your seats today. We'll have more with Astros reliever Will Harris as Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, coming to you live from Duffy's Sports Grill of Clematis in downtown West Palm Beach, continues on the Houston Astros Radio Network. League batting 129 against Harris, who has not allowed a run in his last 25 appearances. Last hope for the Rangers is Rubnet Odor, who is one for four with a base hit. Probably going to see Uncle Charlie now. Here comes the one-two. Swing and a miss. Odor swings at a pitch in the dirt. Castro picks it up, throws the first, and that is the ball game. 
Ding dong, the losing streaks are dead. Astros finally win a game against the Rangers and do it at Globe Life Park in Arlington. My goodness, they lost a dozen here at Globe Life Park in a row. They finally get a big one. Will Harris with a big pitch to a guy that's been a thorn in their side seemingly forever, Rugnet Odor. Great job by the closer. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbach Brewing Company, coming to you live from downtown West Palm Beach, Duffy Sports Grill of Clematis. Hey, kick off your weekends at Minute Maid Park. Every Friday night home game is followed by the best fireworks show in town. For more information, visit astros.com slash fireworks or call 1-877-9-ASTROS. Robert Ford joined by Astros reliever Will Harris. We just heard what was your 26th consecutive uh, scoreless appearance which set a club record. You gave up a run in your first outing of the year against the Yankees, and if I remember correctly, the run scored after you had come out of the game. Yeah. And then uh, you're like, yeah, I remember. No, and, I remember. Everything. <laughs> and then uh, April 9th was your second appearance, and you did not give up another run through June 8th and set a, an Astros record in the process. And also that was a big moment, too, because – uh, you wound up ending the Astros' 12-game losing streak at Globe Life Park in Arlington by getting Rugnet Odor yep. on that big curveball. And uh, I, what, what, what was going on with the Astros and the Rangers last year? My goodness. You know, it was, uh, I told everybody, I said Sam Dyson threw every single game that we lost against them because every yeah. single game was we, we lost by one, two, or three runs. You know, it right. just was one play here, one big inning there. You know, they hit a three-run homer at some point in the game that ended up being the deciding factor. You know, it just... It was uh, a lot more evenly contested games than what the record showed. You know, obviously our fans know that. You know that right. I mean, watching every game. But from the outside looking in, it could look pretty pretty one-sided. And, you know, they won in the department that mattered the most, and that was wins and losses. And we're hoping to change that this year, uh, no doubt. So 26 straight scoreless appearances. I'm sure you knew about the streak, at least to a certain extent, whether you wanted to or not. I'm sure somebody told you about it or whatever, but uh, was it, did you feel any different? Did you feel like you were just locked in? Did it feel any different than maybe other points in the season? Uh, no. Yeah, well, I mean, pitching is a lot like hitting. I mean, you will go into a pitching slump, and I did. Not, you know, very shortly after the All-Star game, man, I, 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 I couldn't get anybody out. I mean, yeah. I, 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 had, I had a stretch run of seven eight nine appearances where it just things weren't going my way and you know i was uncharacteristically walking guys and you know and just but you get into a groove you kind of find your, your timing and things like that and and when you're when you're a one inning guy you can maybe ride that wave a little bit longer you know than a pitcher or a starter just because you know your your sample size is so small that you can you know you can figure it out but you know, I've always been a hot or cold pitcher, man. When, I, when I'm hot, I'm really hot, and I can go for a long time. But when I get cold, it, it kind of gets pretty cold. And uh, that's what I'm trying to work on now is, is maybe finding a few more uh, tricks up my sleeve that can shorten those cold uh, those cold streaks that I get on. Yeah, so what do you do in those situations when you in the past when you, you, you may be a little cold, maybe in a little bit of a pitching slump, as you call it? You know, you, you just kind of try and lean on what you've done in the past, talk to your coaches, talk to your teammates, uh, talk to guys that know you, and, and just trying to, you know, try and get you, at, get, it, get you out of whatever kind of downward spiral you're on. If, uh, you know, maybe it could be bad fortune, too. You know, this game yeah. has a lot of that in it. So right. you have to kind of balance that and look and, and really evaluate. Hey, am I making bad pitches, or am I just am I just having some 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 bad fortune, you know, over the next, over the last couple of weeks? And so, you just you know grind through it, 
you know, trust yourself. Trust that, hey, when you're at your best, you're good enough to get big league hitters out and and uh, try and uh, try and get through it. Like I said, it happens to everybody. It does. And you know, you're talk we were talking earlier about you know, how excited you and your wife were when you found out the Astros had claimed you off waivers for the 2015 season from Slidell, Louisiana. Mm -hmm. Went to LSU out in Baton Rouge. Uh, were were the Astros your team growing up? Did you follow a team growing up? You know, I followed LSU growing up. Okay, know? fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, so I got to play for my uh, for my uh, my hometown team. But you know, I grew up like every like every other kid in, in Louisiana. There's basically three ways of, of, of watching baseball. It's the Chicago Cubs on WGN, the Houston Ast uh, Houston Astros on uh, they were on Fox or something right, at the time. Right at the time, and yep. then it was uh, the Atlanta Braves on TBS, and so. Whichever direction you went was kind of who you followed, and and I used to I used to watch all three. I used to catch you know the Cubs games during the day because they played all day games in the right. summertime when I was out of school, and and my family though uh, my aunt and uncle were real real big Braves fans, so I actually never stepped foot in Minute Maid Park until I played there. Which really, was funny enough, yeah. Growing up a few hours away, drove by it a million times and was in awe, you know, as a kid, yeah. you know, driving by it and stuff like that, but never stepped foot until and I that came. Might have been so. Was that before? So LSU was never in the college classic. We never played in it. No. When we, you were there, never, never. We never played. Because now they're in it pretty all much the time. every year. Yeah, pretty much yeah. every other year. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's just so. Uh, so I kind of, I guess I would say I was a Braves fan just because of my family. Um, but I just like baseball. You know, I, I followed LSU, and um, you know, I was I was really wrapped up in kind of what I was doing, and uh, you know, playing with my brothers and playing wiffle ball outside and things like that. So. We'd pretend to be everybody. It wasn't just a one team. So, growing up following LSU, obviously LSU football's big. Mm -hmm. LSU basketball certainly significant. Uh, did you follow? And LSU baseball's always a good program year after year. Did you follow LSU baseball too as a kid? Uh, I did. I did. So, so the, the same man uncle I'm talking about. You know, they had season tickets, so we used to go to games in the late 90s, uh -huh. uh, you know, 2000, 2001, when they obviously had a lot of big league players. They were winning national championships. So, you know, I never really thought about that I was good enough to ever go there, you know. It wasn't yeah. until my brother started to get recruited to LSU that I thought, okay, maybe this is the next step after high school, then comes college or whatever, you know. So, um, but, yeah, we definitely, no doubt, were big-time LSU fans, uh, followed LSU baseball. But, you know, back then the, the – uh, the TV broadcasts weren't the same. You know, LSU was playing, like, you'd watch Omaha, but it was like the Nash Championship game was on, like, CBS or something. Right, you know, right. ESPN wasn't carrying every single game. It was just, right. you know, and, and it wasn't like nowadays where the midweek game on a Tuesday against ULL it's gonna be is on, on TV. ESPN yeah. U. You know, so yeah. uh, the, the, it, it has changed a lot. So unless you're living back then, unless you were living in the actual city of Baton Rouge, it was very hard to follow the team right. day to day like it is now. Um, but, yeah, we, we'd make as many games as we could, and it definitely was the number one team on our radar that we wanted to play. If we had the opportunity to play college baseball, that was no doubt where we wanted to go. You mentioned your brother, Clay Harris. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I actually covered your brother when I was in the minor leagues. Okay. I was in A Binghamton, and he was in A Reading about 2007, 2008, around there. So I remember your brother playing. Yeah, right around his last year he played, yeah. Yeah, and because uh, he was a ninth-round pick of the Phillies in, in 2005. So you guys never got to play together in college, right? No, we played three years together. Oh, no doubt. We played three oh, years. Oh, you know what? I'm reading this wrong. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Never played never played uh, against each other in professional baseball. Right. But, uh, yeah, we played three years in high school, and then we played three years together at LSU. And, uh, and yeah, it was special. You know, he was uh, a lot better than me. 
you know, in every every facet, every level. Um, you know, injuries cost him his career and, you know, yeah. cost him his, his pro career to not quite be what he wanted it to be. But, uh, but yeah, man, he paved, he paved the way for me, uh, no doubt. So you get to LSU, you're an infielder. You're playing first base, you're playing third base. You didn't really start pitching for LSU until your senior year, right? Right. Yeah, I had a, you know, pitch in high school, you know, yeah. like everybody. Right. Uh, today, actually, I made a joke in the clubhouse, AJ, you know, I got to start today. Right, in the minor, league, the minor game. league game. Yeah. And AJ was like, when's the last time you started? And I was like, 15 years ago when I was in high school. <laughs> so, uh, but, uh, so today was my first start in 15 years. But I, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, went to LSU, the two-way guy. We had a lot of pitchers at the time, you know, guys, you know, Brian Wilson. And yeah. uh, Lane, you know, Lane Mestepe was a two-time first-team first All-American. And so we didn't really need a lot of pitching. And so I started to hit. And by the time I got to my senior year, we had, we had lost a lot of guys, and they pretty much were like, hey, you know, we might need you to throw some innings. And I was I was all for it because hitting wasn't going that well. So, And we're going to talk more about that transition, too. And, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing how, how it all worked out for you. And, you know, you talk about being a bit of a late bloomer and getting to the major leagues when you were 27 and obviously pitching, you know, at a high level anyway, although you did pitch in high school. I'm sure it's something to do with that. But we'll, we'll talk about that some more with Will Harris. Don't forget MLB.TV Premium, number one live streaming sports service is back and better than ever. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live everywhere and enjoy almost 300 spring training games as well as the 2017 World Baseball Classic. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.TV for details. We'll continue on Astroline presented by Carbock Brewing Company coming to you live from Duffy's Sports Grill of Clematis, downtown West Palm and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. a long look in. Now brings the hands together. 2-2 delivery. On the letters for strike three. And O'Malley goes down looking and that is the ball game. Right at the top of the strike zone for Harris. And the Astros win it 5-2. Game to the all-star team today. The first all-star selection of Harris's big league career. Yeah, the rest of his life. That's how he's going to be named. He'll go places. They'll say... Former All-Star, Will Harris. Big award for him. And welcome back to Astroline, presented by Carbock Brewing Company, coming to you live from Duffy's Sports Grill up Clematis, downtown West Palm Beach. Final Astroline of 2017, or at least of the 2016-17 offseason. Astros open the season at Minute Maid Park April 3rd through the 9th against the Seattle Mariners and Kansas City Royals. Tickets on sale now. Don't miss your chance to see the Astros kick off the season. For more information, visit Astros.com or call 1-877-9-ASTROS. Robert Ford joined by Astros pitcher Will Harris. And uh, we just played a clip of you striking out Sean O'Malley looking of the Seattle Mariners. That was on July 5th this past season at Minute Maid Park. You got the save. And that was during a stretch in which you went 37 consecutive games without allowing an extra base. And I believe it was Billy Butler who broke it up with a double, uh, your next appearance against the A's uh, yep. in, in Oakland. And uh, were you even aware of, of that streak? Did you know you hadn't given up an extra base hit in that long? So, yeah, so I was I was brought aware of a couple of my streaks last year, and, and they all ended right after <laughs> I was, you know, not to be super, I'm not a very right. superstitious guy. But, right. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think, I, you know, my, my scoreless streak ended in Tampa. Uh, I still got the save that day, but I gave up a run. Um, 
And then, uh, then yeah, Billy Butler had a great at-bat against me, man, where he fouled off. It was like the first or second at-bat of the inning. He fouled off. I couldn't tell you how many pitches and waited me out. Ended up making a mistake. He hit a double. And we, I actually ended up giving up three runs that day. And then we won on a, on a, on a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. So it all it all worked out. But, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it was cool, man. It was a special year. And, you know, King, things kind of fell my way, you know, there for a long time. And it's the way the game is. Hopefully it happens again this year. All right, so we were talking about you playing at LSU. You were a position player your first three years there. And wound up pitching your senior year. So... In high school, how much did you pitch? Where, where, where did you where did you generally play in high school? No, I I pitched a lot. You know, okay. I was for, fortunate enough to play for a very good high school team. I played with my older brother. Uh, we had uh, multiple multiple talented pitchers in the team. Uh, you know, Danny Davis we ended up going on to McNeese State Southland Conference Pitcher of the Year. Xavier Paul, you know, he used to throw mid nineties. He was a you know a second or third rounder as an outfielder. Right. Uh, Chris Province ended up going to Southeastern, was a fourth-rounder pitcher. You know, so we had a lot. My, my brother was a freshman All-American as a pitcher at LSU. Right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I still pitched and, uh, you know, was was it was in the normal rotation, you know, throwing every other district game. Um, but, you know, once I got to LSU, I, you know, I, I got put on the back burner. I had some elbow problems that eventually came back to get me later on in my pro career. But, uh, but yeah, it, it was something that wasn't exactly needed needed for me uh, immediately when I when I got on campus at LSU. So you started pitching your senior year, and, I mean, you, you know, the, your best pitch is your cutter at the big league level. You have some natural movement on it. Did you Have you always had that pitch? You know, I, so one of my best friends in the world was my catcher at LSU and uh, was my roommate at LSU, and I asked him, I said, hey, man, did I always cut the ball? And he said, he basically told me that no, but I would sometimes. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a couple elbow surgeries later, you know, you get a little bit less range of motion. And I think naturally it's kind of taken over and morphed into something a little bit a little bit different over the years. But, uh, you know, I'm a high arm slot guy. You know, I like to throw overhand, pretty far overhand. So that can that can lead to cutting the ball as opposed right. to sinking it just naturally. So, I, you know, I think I kind of do a lot of things that that lead to the uh, to the cutting action. So the curveball, they always say, whenever I talk to scouts about pitchers with good curveballs, they usually say it's one of those things, either you have it or you don't, and sometimes, or a lot of times, it's not, you know, it's something you, you got at a very young age. When did you start throwing the curveball? Uh, from day one, you know, I, I, like I said, I've, I was a high arm slot guy, so a slider kind of wasn't something that I could really throw. You know, right. for me, my fingers would want to go to the other side of the baseball when I would throw a breaking ball. and and turn it over and get the ball to, you know, really top spin in there. Right. And so, yeah, from an early age, you know, I still still hold the ball the exact same way of the first day that I ever gripped a curveball. You know, I've never gripped it any different. And uh, and it's just kind of a natural thing. Some guys some guys throw curveballs, some guys throw sliders. Right. And, and I was one of the guys that happened to grow up throwing a curveball. And, you know, I've learned a lot about it over the years, you know, especially from, from Shrami. Uh, here in Houston, he, he's really helped me out. You know, he, him being an old school guy and pitching in the area when you know a lot of guys threw curveballs. Right. So you know, so he has a definite background on it and uh, knows a lot of the mechanics of it. Has really, really, really helped me out. So you pitched basically one year at LSU. You get drafted by the Rockies in the ninth round, which is when you think about it, that's pretty high for a guy who didn't pitch a whole lot. Obviously, you're on a major college program that helps get some exposure, but. Uh, were you surprised to be drafted where you were drafted? Um, you know, 
I actually, not to sound bad, I thought I was going to go a little bit higher just uh -huh. from information that I had gotten from scouts. You know, I hadn't thrown that much. I had some elbow problems. But I really kind of started to peak a little bit late in the year. And we were in the SEC tournament. I pitched against Alabama. And, and, and I remember feeling really good that night. And I remember feeling like, I think I was throwing pretty hard yeah. tonight. You know, like it just kind of, things kind of lined up for me. Didn't necessarily know what the radar gun said. No, said, but I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's back then, you know, right. 2006, it's college baseball. There's no radar guns on the, right. on the scoreboard, nothing like that. Right. So I remember thinking to myself, man, you know, I felt really good. And so that night, this is for all you uh, you young people out there, it was like one of the, you know, cell phones had just kind of come around. So right. I had a cell phone and... I had a lot of voicemails on my cell phone from uh, from scouts were trying to get me into their system as a pitcher because they all had me as a hitter. Right. And the draft was in about five or six days, and I was not on any of their draft boards, any of wow. their systems as a pitcher. Wow. And so I kind of felt like, all right, maybe I did, you know, spark something here. And then having a few friends in front offices and things like that and, and acquaintances, and they were kind of like, yeah, like, you know, you, you were throwing mid-90s tonight. Like, you know, there's a chance you, you know, go anywhere from yada, 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 round or whatever. So, right. So I, was, I wasn't too, too surprised. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, you know. So it was really a few days before the draft that you realized, hey, this may happen. This may happen. I went to the beach with my wife. She was, you know, my girlfriend at the time. Uh -huh. A few friends. Was in Destin. You know, soaking up the sun, got a phone call on that same old cell phone, you know, and uh, and found out I was drafted by the Rockies. That is amazing. Yeah. That, I mean, I mean, talk about uh, so serendipitous. And So when you started pitching your senior year, was it, was it just at that point when you realized, hey, I might actually have a chance to play pro ball? So, yeah, so hitting to me, so I was, for some, I like to hit like every kid. Yeah. Uh, Used to be a good hitter. Went to LSU. Was supposed to be a good hitter. Right. My brother was a really good hitter. I had a, I had some success early on in my career, and then it just kind of left me. You know, yeah. I went into a slump. I didn't handle it very well mentally, and you know, and I, I just really beat myself up about it. So whenever they asked me to pitch, I was like, Yeah, like hitting right. is so hard. <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. I yeah. would love to right. get up there and pitch. Right. You know, because I know. I know how it feels to be in the batter's box and be in a slump or, you know, like it, I know how it, what it looks like when you, somebody throws a down and away fastball that looks like it's a million miles away from you and it's right. a strike and it's like, there's no chance in the world I could have hit that. Right. You know, or a guy throws a curveball, it looks like it's going to hit you in the head and it's a strike and it's right. like, I know what that's like. Yeah. And so, so it kind of gave me a lot of confidence going into the, you know, the new the new chapter of my baseball career of like hey like I'm not giving hitters a lot of credit. You're still you're with the Astros. Look forward to another great year. Hopefully an All Star year. But if not, hey. another great year. Yeah, I want to uh, win some games. Should be a fun season for the Astros. Uh, a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation in Houston. I know you can't wait to to get the season started as the rest of us. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we got about a week, you know, one one week left here, a couple of exhibition games down in Houston, and, uh, yeah, I'm I, nobody's more excited than me than to get back down south and, and play some baseball. All right. Well, Harris, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on AstroLine, our final AstroLine of the offseason. Thanks so much to everybody who make this possible. Thanks to all the great people here at Duffy Sports Grill. Thanks to all the great people at Plucker's Wing Bar up in Houston at 1400 Shepherd, hosting our shows all off-season long. I'd uh, like to thank also our studio producer, Bob Elliott, producer engineer, Matt Bolt, and all the great people who came out to our Astro Lions here at Duffy Sports Grill and also at Plucker's Wing Bar in Houston all off-season long.
I'm Robert Ford saying so long. You've been listening to Astro Line presented by Carbach Brewing Company live from Duffy Sports Grill and on the Houston Astros Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.